back to Sonic Shuffle, the music podcast where the topic is decided by fate. I'm your host, Andrew Mullen, and if you did not listen to the first episode of this podcast, uh, first of all, why are you here? Please go listen to all my stuff. I'd really appreciate it. But second of all, I also suggest you all do it because um, I give a general overview in that episode as to how this podcast works, and it's very complicated, intricate rules. Just joking, it's not that complicated, but still, I think it'd be worthwhile if you at least listen to the intro, if you don't want to sit through the whole episode and just kind of get a general idea of how this works. But if you do not want to do that, basically, this podcast topic is decided by the shuffle button. Basically, I go into my music library, I hit shuffle, and talk about whatever band or artist pops up. As long as they have enough material or not massively popular to a point where I couldn't really add anything to the discussion, they are eligible to be discussed about on this show. So, um, if you did miss last week's episode, well, you know, since this is still new, this is still my second episode, I'm not too sure whether or not to spoil uh, what bands I talk about. I feel like it wouldn't be as fun for you, for you all, the listeners, for me to just give it away in the title or the description. Or even in, in in episodes since they've been released. So for right now, I I won't say who I got. I will just let the first episode be a mystery to you in case you like what you hear on this episode and you want to go back and listen to it. Which again, I would greatly appreciate if you did. But enough about that first episode. I'm more excited to talk about whichever artist or band that we get today. Um, it's honestly the most exciting part of this whole uh, podcast experience to me personally. It's just... Hitting that shuffle button, seeing what we're going to get. So let's not waste any time here. I have uh, Spotify open here. Oh, by the way, um, before we do that, though, I do want to mention that I actually uh, created an email so you guys can send feedback or whatever. Actually, just 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 feedback. I don't need anything weird. But uh, <laughs> in case you do want to email me, uh, you can email me at sonicshuffle2022 at gmail.com. And you can also find that email in the description of this episode, uh, in case you don't want to write that down. Anyways, without further ado, let's see who we talked about for episode two of Sonic Shuffle. We're just going to do what we did last time. We're going to go into my like songs. Uh, at this point in time, I have 19,335 songs liked, which I feel is a little bit low, but whatever. Who am I going to deny uh, the the authenticity of that. So make sure shuffles on, and we're just gonna get a play and see who we get. Who's it gonna be? Okay, okay then. Interesting. Ah, wow. I've you know I've known about the song for a long time, but I've never really dug into the band's discography. In case you don't know this song or band this is the band graveyard the song is um oh, i've never known how to say the song title correctly hisogen blues hysogen blues i don't know something blues yeah so graveyard uh they're a stoner rock band basically a lot of stoner rock uh so other bands are related to in terms of adjacency would be like witchcraft and earthless um Red Fang, I mean, I think that's a pretty good uh, comparison. Orange Goblin and Asteroid are also in here as well. So, to give you a general idea of what this band sounds like, 
I believe they're on Nuclear Blast Records, which does a lot of metal releases. Um, I'm trying to see how many albums do they have. Quite a bit, it looks like. Looks like their most recent one was in 2018. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Oh my god, the first album was in 2007. Oh, no. So, five records. Well, that's not too bad. Oh, and they're uh, Swedish, it looks like. I couldn't really tell you much more about Graveyard outside of what I just told you. At least off the top of my head. But hey, that's what uh, research is for, huh? So, that's what I gotta do. I will have to take a good week or so, at least, to um, sit down, listen to the music of Graveyard, and report back at what I've learned about them. Sit tight, and I will return shortly. and I've listened to everything under the Graveyard Umbrella. I should clarify, though, because there are a few bands named Graveyard um, that exist out there, including a stoner metal band from Lithuania, which formed only one year before the Graveyard band we're talking about here today. So, yeah, really clarify it, but um, there you go. Uh, but they're not the same band. Uh, there's also a death metal band from Spain. There's an electronic project, I believe, from Japan. And there's a thrash metal band from Serbia. And that was off the Last FM page for the band Graveyard. Or at the very least, the uh, page for all the bands named Graveyard. But the one we're talking about today, which is certainly uh, the most notable band, I believe, under the name Graveyard, is the bluesy stoner rock band from Sweden. Although stoner rock might be uh, an oversimplification of it. I've seen them described as a stoner metal band, but to me it's not that accurate. The band is certainly bombastic, but not heavy enough to be considered a metal band, I would say. Um, they're more of a, like I said, a stoner rock band with lots of blues thrown into it, with some psychedelic integrated in their sound as well. The band is influenced by Black Sabbath, of course. I mean, any band that sounds like this, Sabbath is going to come up in the discussion at some point. Um, but they also have a lot of blues, soul, and even some jazz influences as well. I believe the lead singer really enjoys jazz music. Um, certainly a nice blend of influences there. I didn't really touch on this when I uh, was, you know, picking, you know, I say picking the band i was talking about here in air quotes obviously but when i was picking a band for today's episode i didn't really get into their popularity quote unquote sometimes I like to read their spotify stats before i talk about them but i'll, I'll kind of go over that now i don't know how popular they are quote unquote i mean they certainly have a lot of listeners on spotify uh, with all their top songs, you know, the top 10 songs you can see listed on their account, um, in the millions. But, I don't know, there's just not a lot of press on them. And my girlfriend uh, kind of theorized this, that maybe 
they get a lot of their popularity just by being a classic rock sounding band and you know maybe that ends up on playlists and people play in the background maybe that's where the popularity comes from i mean when i say that i don't want to like discredit the band by any means um you know i certainly imagine they have a lot of fans but i don't know maybe at least here in the states they're they don't pick up a lot of um press because again they're from sweden so uh maybe that could explain 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 why they have you know a seemingly decent amount of popularity on streaming platforms but maybe not a lot of discussion over here in the states per se but what are my thoughts on the band i mean obviously popularity doesn't say everything about a band's quality and overall i had a lot of fun listening to this band it's a sound that i really enjoy but the band is not overindulgent per se like other sonar rock bands can be you know um <laughs> a lot of you know stoner metal or rock bands they can draw out their sounds and if you get really bands like sleep you know for instance and don't be wrong i like sleep a lot but yeah they they like to draw out their stuff don't they i mean they have they're famous for having you know dope smoker the hour long you know stoner metal track you know literally it's an hour long so i don't know like i feel like this genre can Overstay its welcome sometimes. These songs can be pretty long and stuff like that, but I didn't really get that from this band. Their songs probably peak at about six and a half minutes, unlike other stoner rock bands. So I don't think they really fall into that trap. Their songs are, like like I said earlier, really bombastic. They're a lot of fun. And that's really the best way I can describe this band. You know, they don't overstay their welcome. And I really enjoyed my time with them. But we're not here to just talk about my opinions. Uh, I should probably give some background on the band as well. And when we talk about the members of Graveyard, there's really only two names you need to know. And that would be, and I should say right now, if anyone from Sweden or of Swedish heritage is listening, I apologize in advance. I'm going to mispronounce all these names. I guarantee it. And I apologize so much. Um, But I will do my best to pronounce them correct. Um... Lead singer's name is Joe Kim Nielsen. We'll just say Nielsen from now on because I can at least pronounce that. But like I said, he, he's the lead vocalist and also plays guitar in the band. And then you have the lead guitarist, Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, oh my God, Jonathan Larka Ram. He's the lead guitarist, like I said. Yeah, again, I'm very sorry about that. Um, but yeah, those are the two main names you're going to need to know. The rhythm section changed a couple times throughout uh, the band's history. Um, in fact, actually, there wasn't a lot of lineup changes, though. This band's been around since 2006 and has only changed its lineup two times in total, I believe. So pretty good for a band that's been around for that long. But I'll get into when those lineup changes happened when we get to them in the band's timeline. Um, the band actually has origins. In a little-known stoner-slash-doom-slash-psychedelic metal band named Norskin. Uh, they were kind of around the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. And um, the reason why they had their origins in that band is because it featured Nielsen and future graveyard bassist Ricard Elund. I think I may have actually pronounced that one correctly. There are only demos available online, but not on Spotify or any streaming services that I can find. Um, they can be found on YouTube and on the Metal Archives as well. To kind of give you an idea of what this band sounded like, here's a clip of the demo song, Leaving the Planet, which, again, is very clearly heavily inspired by Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. 
planet into the void. I mean, yeah, it all just fits really together, doesn't it? But I actually like the sound of this demo. It's pretty cool, but I don't think they ever made it to the studio, you know, because they broke up in the maybe like 2000 or maybe 99, like somewhere around then. But not all was lost from that breakup. Um, Doom Metal Act Witchcraft, who are kind of, it's kind of like a sister band almost to uh, Graveyard, because both those bands formed from the breakup of Norskin. But Graveyard didn't form around the same time of Witchcraft. Actually, the band Albatross did, which again featured Nilsson, Ellen, and future uh, drummer Axel. Oh my god, this. <laughs> <laughs> Axel, oh my, there's a J after this S, my goodness. Axel Schauberg, I had no chance in hell pronouncing that one correctly again. I'm very sorry. Um, but those three members went on to, uh, like I said, be in Graveyard, but they were in the band Albatross. Albatross was more of a hobby, though, for the three. And there's no material online that I could find from this band. I'm sure they all had day jobs at this point, and they were just kind of doing this on the side. Uh, these three members, along with Ram, the guitarist, went on to form Graveyard in 2006 when they all wanted to take musical more seriously, and they decided to form Graveyard to do that. So that's the general vibe, is, from my understanding, is how they formed. Um, and it didn't take long for them to get some traction. They gained some notoriety um, on MySpace, which is a very mid-2000s thing to say, when the band released some of its uh, music on the platform. After gaining some traction on the then streaming platform, was MySpace a streaming platform? Probably just a music sharing platform, technically. And from that notoriety the band got on uh, on that platform, they were able to eventually release their self-titled debut in 2008. Although I believe it may have been released in Sweden a year before, and then 2008 for America. I could be I could be uh, wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how the timeline goes. Um, the album actually received a decent score from all music. I think the general vibe I got from that is they were kind of comparing it to Witchcraft, which had already been out for a little bit. And they said they were pretty much like a good companion band to them, or they're a good band to kind of stand next to Witchcraft. You know, and I would agree, I think, just from listening to all of Brave Mart's material. Um, when we talk about the band's self-titled debut record, I think it's really apparent that blues is a very strong influence to this band. And I'm surprised I didn't hear more about that online. Obviously, the band have said blues is an influence to them, but it's really apparent uh, on this first record and throughout all the records for that matter, but especially on this record, I feel. Bombastic guitars and some decent, decent riffs are laid out all over this record. Definitely a strong start in terms of establishing their sound. I suppose I should mention now uh, Nielsen's vocals, which have gotten a lot of praise from listeners over the years. In a 2019 interview, uh, he said that when the band goes to write songs, they tend to focus it around the music, with vocals and lyrics, I would assume, being integrated into the song later on as they're finished writing one. The band does seem fairly riff-oriented, so this is probably not inaccurate, although I feel like he was underselling his vocal talents a little bit there. His range is not, like, the greatest ever, but he can reach high notes and wail his vocal cords raw. You know, he's really good on this album, but I would say he would get generally better over time, so not the most polished here. But, yeah, I mean, he's... I don't know what his octave range is or anything, but... He's certainly a powerhouse for this band. It really helps elevate, you know, this band's, uh, you know, quality and just its fun factor, too. Honestly, though, I, 
I don't have much more to say about the debut, you know. I've given some praise to this record, and I think it's decent, but there were not a lot of tracks that jumped out to me. Uh, with Thin Line, Lost in Confusion, and Submarine Blues being highlights to me. Those are probably among my favorites from the record. The outro track, though, Satan's Finest, which had this badass, dirty riff to it, was probably my favorite off the whole record. Here, take a listen. Again, that song is really good, as are the other ones I mentioned earlier, but this album is just... I don't know, it's just decent. The looks aren't there as much as they are in the later records overall, but that's just, you know, at least to my opinion. It's just not as memorable compared to those other records, especially since they're one of those bands, that's the best way I can put it. And what I mean by that is... Graveyard's albums tend to be very similar to each other, with not a whole lot of changes to their sounds between them. This isn't a bad thing to me. I mean, hell, I love punk music, and a lot of the bands in that genre have this problem, quote-unquote. But, again, I don't really feel it's a problem as long as, you know, their albums are consistent with their songwriting, with their lyrics, with their vocals, with whatever, you know, the band specializes in. Which I think Graveyard is. I think they're a very consistent band. But that does mean any of their more decent to subpar material can be forgettable, which I think the debut kind of falls under. Again, if you end up really enjoying this band's sound, which, you know, I hope you will as, you know, you continue listening to this episode, definitely one worth checking out, but it's probably not one I would return to right away compared to some of the other records. Anyways, following the debut, they actually began touring with bands like Richcraft, along with Clutch and CKY, uh, throughout the years 2008 and 2009. Then a couple years later, in 2011, they would release their second album, Hysogen Blues, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. The album received solid reviews from sites like AllMusic and Blabbermouth, and I think this is definitely a step up from the debut, with more memorable tracks and better hooks overall. Buying Troops, parentheses, Tack and Forlat, is a really fun and aggressive slammer. The song Longing is a cheesy, campy western-sounding ballad that is actually quite fun, uh, with the whistling actually being a nice touch instead of an annoying uh, trope.
This album also has what is probably their most popular song, The Siren. I actually like this song a lot because it's about a slave boat captain that is tormented by alligators and demons. I suppose I should mention the, the build-up to the song is really awesome as well, but come on. A slaver gets tormented. Isn't that all you need? Swimming through the mud. Yes, I was swimming through the mud. And a thousand flamingos led my way. Riding to the feast where I was gonna meet my doom. Tonight a demon came into my head oh, And tried to tell me in my sleep Tonight a demon came into my head oh, And tried to tell me in my sleep If there is one gripe I have of this album is uh, Nielsen's vocals. I know I just praised them a minute ago, and don't get me wrong, they're not bad. It's definitely good, but he starts utilizing gruffer vocals on some tracks, but he has trouble <sighs> balancing them with his cleaner vocals. There's just not a lot of strong dynamics there. He cuts off as sounding a little too uncontrolled and kind of ridiculous sounding at times, especially on the intro track, Ain't Fit to Live Here. Although I will say the balance of the you know gruffer and cleaner vocals sounded really good on the title track, so it wasn't like unbearable throughout this record. Um, it just needed some more polishing, and uh, his voice would become pretty well rounded between those two styles moving forward. Overall, it's a really fun listen, and yeah, this is definitely one I would recommend. It actually would not take the band long to release its third album, Lights Out, releasing just the next year in 2012, and it's the band's shortest album you know throughout their entire discography at only 35 minutes. Which again, I feel is a pretty short time limit for a stoner rock band. So this is a really interesting thing to listen to for me. Um, while I garnered decent reviews from Pitchfork and the Austin Chronicle, personally, this is my favorite record. Even though critical praise for later releases would be stronger, I really like this album a lot. You know, like I said, normally, you know, those stoner rock albums tend to be a little longer and drawn out, but... This album was really punchy and straight to the point. I, I don't know, this album just stuck out to me. It's just being the most enjoyable out of all of that because of those reasons. The intro track in the industry of murder had a pummeling rhythm and a really steady build to it. Take a listen.
Something else I should mention here are the lyrics. Again, and again, this is at least to me, I feel like Stoner Rock doesn't usually cater to lyrics, or at the very least, they tend to be the secondary or third, you know, priority when it comes to songwriting. But the band's bio on Nuclear Blast website, a label that has released some of their material, mentioned that this album in particular had some social commentary on it. And Nielsen also said in a 2012 interview that the band wanted to write about injustices in the world, not necessarily regarding, you know, politicians, but just wanted this album to be a little angry or bitter to it, um, because they would often talk about injustices with each other. Lo and behold, this track in particular uh, tackles and critiques the military-industrial complex, something I don't often hear or see written about in music. And I was very surprised and happy to see it here. Something you will learn about me as the show goes on that I could be kind of a sucker for anti-war songs, you know, as long as they're good. And with lyrics like, and uh, I believe this is from the second verse, when greed has set your path, children dying, mother screaming. The story is the same. Wherever you point your finger, all survivors curse your name. I don't know. I mean, that's. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty strong stuff. You know. I mean, not the best lyrics ever written about this topic. I would recommend the song "War Pimp Renaissance" from the band Lard, which features members of Ministry along with former Dead Kennedys frontman Jello Biafra in there. I think that's the best song written about this subject, but this one's certainly not too shabby either. And it's certainly one of my favorite tracks from this band's entire catalog. However, the political and social commentary on the song, the suits, the law, and the uniforms felt pretty half-baked and lame, not to mention the boring rip that was on top of. You know, so this social commentary thing wasn't done perfectly throughout this entire record. But that was the only track I didn't really enjoy on this, this album. The rest of the tracks were really fun, though, with the song 7-7 being a particularly enjoyable use of Nielsen's rough vocals. There are two more tracks that I want to play before we move on that I was sort of familiar with before I dove into this episode. One was the track Endless Night, which supplied an endless surge of boogieing vibes is basically the best way I can put it. Um, here, take a listen. Another highlight of this album is the Sinister Goliath. It has this really cool build and does kind of sound like a monster is kind of marching towards you. It's really cool.
All in all, this album is definitely worth a listen. Like I said, it's not too long, so even if you don't enjoy it, you can just move right on. I guess this is the one I might recommend people to start with. Either this or the album that precedes it, uh, High Suja Blues. Uh, either one I think is worth it, but if you don't want to, you know, delve too much time into this band, then maybe Lights Out will be the one I would recommend you first. Anyways, following the release of this album, the band would tour with Soundgarden in 2013, which, my god, I mean, that's a quite quite the get, isn't it? Um, the following year, though, bassist Richard Elland announced that he was leaving the band. But that did not stop Graveyard from releasing its fourth album, Innocence and Decadence, in 2015. Personally, this is down there with the debut as being my least favorite, you know, material from the band. So, again, I don't have a whole lot to say. You know... <sighs> You know, maybe the band was just getting used to writing with the new bassist because I believe Nilsson has said that all band members kind of take part in the songwriting process. So maybe the hooks were weaker towards that, but I don't know. It could be it could be a number of reasons, but again, the hooks just aren't quite there for me here, and there's not a lot of memorable tracks. But there are still highlights on this very bluesy and slightly more psychedelic record from the band. Some of these highlights include "Can't Walk Out." Hard-headed, and Magnetic Shunk. The latter being a fun song about a guy who enjoys being treated, um, we'll say not gently in bed, if you know what I mean. Here, take a listen. I know you So yeah, um, that was uh, that was the opener I should mention from this album. I don't know, but the, the album is pretty fun. They, they they are pretty good at having pretty bombastic, you know, fast-tempoed intros. So uh, that's something for the band I certainly enjoy. If you like the material from the band so far, then you'll enjoy this album. But it didn't stand out as much to me, you know. Again, I don't think this band ever released a bad record per se, but obviously certain albums are going to rise above the top more so than others so that's all it is for me however the band would actually split up for a little bit in 2016 following a war world tour i couldn't find a reason why the band split up i think it was like on wikipedia said you know they broke up for the also classic reasons i very helpful i know i i'm guessing that means there's a lot of melodrama behind the scenes i suppose who knows? So, but uh, that actually didn't matter very much because the breakup didn't last very long. 
And uh, they actually got better the next year uh, with some changes to the lineup. That change being in particular a new drummer named Oscar... (laughs) Why do I do this myself? Oscar Bergenheim. Bergenheim. Oscar Bergenheim. Pretty sure I got that right. Probably didn't, though. Again, I'm very sorry to any Swedish people that might be listening here. No matter, though, they returned in 2018 with the album Peace, which uh, released it with some very positive reception. The album is a lot of fun, with the band's biggest change in sound coming here on this record. Although, that's not really saying much, because the sound didn't change a whole lot. It just sounded heavier and nastier, really, was the big thing. Although, I would say it might be heavy enough to where you could consider this album to be a stoner metal record. So... Perhaps that moniker could be applied to this record solely from their discography. And when I say it's heavier and nastier, I mean it. This album is a kick in the teeth and smashes you against the wall. It's a pretty cool sound, and honestly, it's probably my second favorite album from this band's discography. Uh, The opening track, It Ain't Over Yet, certainly gets this idea across. Take a listen. Another song I really enjoyed out this record was Walk On. Kind of appears in the middle of it, and it's just, just sounds like an awesome jam session. Lastly, the album closes with low, parentheses, I wouldn't mind. It's had this really aggressive, like, swaying rhythm to it that gave this kind of unique energy to it. It was a blast listening to this. Take a listen. (laughs) 
yeah, I would say based on this stuff, this was quite the return from their hiatus or breakup or whatever that little spat was. But yeah, this was definitely a strong record. And I put this right up in the, right next to the lights out as being my favorite material from this band. So gets a recommendation for me, that's for sure. However, this is kind of where the story of Graveyard, at least momentarily, comes to an end. You know, they've played some live shows recently in the past couple years. I mean, obviously, I'm sure not 2020, but it looks like they've been a part of uh, some uh, recent festivals and small tours. In fact, actually, I think I saw them on this year's Lollapalooza card, which I didn't even know Lollapalooza was happening. But hey, good for them. But I was not able to find any updates on potential new music. I'm sure they're just focusing on getting back on the road and performing live. So, however, this band still has you know, a lot going for it. It's been going for 15 years. I don't see any reason they'd be stopping soon. So I'm sure it won't take long before we see new material from them. Anyways, that is actually, we're going to end with the band today. I mean, I know there wasn't, um, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of it just kind of focused on their records, but there just wasn't a ton of, um, you know, backstory to kind of go around with this rec with this band. Um, you know, again, the press probably wasn't high enough, you know, in this country as it might be in others, but I will say, this band overall was a lot of fun. This, 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 their discography does not stay, overstay its welcome. If you really like your heavy blues rock music, this band will be perfect for you. I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else to say here. I hope you, the listener, had fun listening. And, well, who are we going to be talking about next time? That's not for me to decide, is it? Take care, all. Take care, all.